All right, Ambush, we are here for a round three with a man who's not just a musician, not just an author, not just a mentor, not just a motivational speaker. He has so many talents, so many things that he does that he brings to the world. And one of those things that I love the most is that he brings a positive change into his world as well. I speak, of course, of a man known as Defy the Odds to Some. And today we talk about a new book and a new album with a man who I have a pleasure of calling a friend, and he is best known as D.O. Gibson. How's it going today, D.O.? Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm ready to step in the ring after that. And then you say like round three, and I was reading that in the, in the comments of the quote. So it's like, yeah, I'm ready to rumble. <laughs> Ooh, all right. So am I. So am I, my friend, because even though it's been a few months since the last time we joined each other half a year, there is a lot to jump into. And I am excited because we only touched the surface of this new book, of this new music the last time we spoke. So, of course, I would love to start with this is your second book. So when exactly was the decision to uh, step back into the author world to pick up the pen in this form again? I started writing this book about five years ago. So it was an idea that came to me. And one of the things that I approached it with was knowing it was going to take time. I think that's what writing the first book let me know is that, you know, as much as you want to say, like, I I had the inspiration and then I wrote it overnight. um, It doesn't really work like that, at least for me. So what I did was I approached it in bite-sized chapters, also recognizing my audience. And I know a lot of people, as much as I like to read, uh, I read a lot of books. I know a lot of people don't read that much. So asking somebody to sit down and start a book and commit an hour or an hour and a half to read might be asking too much. But if I say sit down for five minutes, whether you're on the train or whether you're in the washroom, (laughs) you can pop it open and read just one chapter, two to three pages. So I would start writing those two to three pages for a chapter. And then when COVID hit, I just went all in. And that's when I really committed to getting the book done and taking it from that 40% to 100%, having that rough sketch, having some ideas, having that rough draft, but really flushing it out and completing the book. Ah, you say 100%, my friend, but I would say (laughs) a thousand is where we're taking it with this one. So being uh, that opportunity of not being on the road as much, not having quite as much in the grind on the form of musician traveling and otherwise gave you more time to do this project then. Definitely. It's that pivot uh, mentality. And while I love being on the road, I I love everything about it. It does take away that, well, time to do other things. It's that travel. It's the feeling a little bit tired when you get to a place and you still want to get your workout in. And then then all of a sudden you're left with no more time to to have that creative energy. So definitely scheduling my days um, with the book was a key is, is that I would get up and I would start writing. And that was my daily routine. And I think for people dealing with everything that COVID brought upon us, I thought, um, it, I think it's so important to have that daily routine. And that's why the book is really called on this grind is because 
the grind to me is that daily work. And some people would say the grind is like the work you don't like to do. But for me, that routine is really key. Uh, and I like how you say that the work that some people don't like to do because it is a music business as much as some people maybe don't like that. And that's one thing that I really love about this book, because not only does it touch on the grind, but there's 78 different life lessons, experiences here inside of this book for people to digest, to go through, to be able to see just these various different aspects of these. So how did exactly did you go about curating these 78, this 240 plus uh, manifesto of lessons for young artists? I always just kind of kept a notebook or on my phone, I would just write down an idea. And that's why it really did take those few years that some days I would just have an idea or I'd see a social media post and it would just spark something in my mind. Or, you know, for instance, one of the chapters is Mr. Miyagi and I'd see Cobra Kai was coming out and then watching Cobra Kai reminded me of Mr. Miyagi. And then I thought of those lessons of, of that discipline and how I had employees and, and then it kind of just all came together from there. But, um, I think when it's life lessons learned from the music business, it's a lot of reflection on my career and not just my career, but as an observer, as a fan, as a business person of the music business and what inspired me. But I always like to say inspiration is one thing, um, but I'm a big fan of perspiration. You know, you got to work hard. You got to get at it. So as much as I try to talk about inspirational things, I'm also trying to say it in a way that gives people those tools that um, it's not just a puff piece to say, Hey, you can go do it. But it's also to say you can do it, but you're going to have to put that work in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love the way that you put that. Another way that I've heard it is motivation is great, but discipline is where it's truly at. Yeah, thousand percent. <laughs> awesome, for sure. So as you mentioned, taking a lot of these life lessons and giving your experience behind them. And that's another thing that I love too, is it's not just from the perspective of now, but you also go back, you reflect on what these things meant to you back then and sort of like, to reference another one of your songs there, your made it moments and otherwise where all of these things happened for you, where meeting your heroes, the first time you got to go to Madame and everything. So not only is it life lessons, but you also sort of get to have that experience of Dio as you grew through a lot of these things. Yeah, it's reflecting on moments in your life and, and seeing what the meaning was. And I think while I'm talking about my life, I'm hoping that people can find that in themselves too. And so I love how you're referencing a few of those things, like a made it moment. To me, is that moment where you just feel like you made it. But really, I'm a big fan of the journey versus the destination. So it's about when you're on the journey and you just take a moment to pause and reflect on being present and in the moment. And that's one of the lessons I've learned throughout this journey in the music business is to really be present in the moment. I think so many artists, they're always looking for what's next, what's happening next, or they get bogged down because there's so many things going on. And I think it's just important um, to reflect on those moments. Like as a musician, one of them that uh, any artist can, can relate to is the first time you hear your music on the radio, like 
that's a made it moment. It's like, it could be college radio. It could be city radio. It could be serious radio. It could be a internet radio, but just hearing somebody play your music, that's just an incredible moment. And it, it doesn't mean that you have to have a record deal or have a million streams, but in just that moment, you can say, Hey, I did it. I had that idea in my head for the song. I went to the studio I mixed it, I mastered it, and now look at this. It's playing on the radio. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's beautiful because it's another thing where, like you say, you have to take those moments because even though we get caught up in the grind mode, you mm-hmm. have to appreciate those things. And another thing that you also take the time is take time for your family and otherwise, like lessons you learned from classified and stuff like that, right? Where it's, even though you're on this grind, like your family's still important, your friends are still important, and like your network, you have to keep that going too. Yeah, you got to have that balance in life. And, and as I mentioned in the book a few times, I've really learned that from mentors. And mentorship is such a key thing in the music business and in life in general. But, you know, speaking of the music business, having people in my life like a Maestro Fresh West who wrote the foreword to the book was invaluable because he's 10 years older than me, exactly 10 years. So I could go back to being in my 20s and seeing somebody 10 years older than me and saying, okay, this is where I want to be when I'm in my mid-30s. And then when I was in my mid-30s, I could say, okay, this is where I want to be when I'm in my 40s. And now that I'm in my 40s, I can still look to see someone in their 50s doing it and making an impact in hip-hop And I think that's so important, Colton, because I, growing up, there wasn't those examples. Hip hop is still a new genre and Canadian hip hop is still a new thing. So being able to look at a maestro or a classified and see them build a career, not just build a record or two or an album is just invaluable. And I hope to share those lessons to that upcoming um, group of artists to say, Here's, I'm not saying the blueprint, but here is kind of a blueprint and able to, um, to have that longevity. And, and for me, it's like, again, I might not have a Juno um, on my mantelpiece or a Grammy or um, a million streams on my latest song, but I'm still making a living from it. And I think that's a great lesson for, for artists to learn. Mm-hmm. And once again, another perspective in this book is we all grow up with the dream of having oh the top the top the top but at the same time like you can rewrite success and i'd say as someone is who has watched you work through your career and reading the book too and seeing that you've been it was 2003 i believe where you uh quit your job there and to know that you've been paying the bills off of music for like Mm -hmm. 18 years is an incredible fact no matter like how many streams you have or otherwise, it's the fact that you've been able to make a career out of music and once again, be able to inspire positive change, be a mentor yourself. It's truly beautiful. Thank you. Cause you know, I could kind of compare it now to cryptocurrency, right? Like a lot of people are getting into crypto and they, it sounds really good, right? Like get into music business. It sounds really good. But with crypto, you're dealing with a lot of like peaks and valleys. It's going up and down, up and down. And I think one of the hardest things to achieve as a musician or as an artist entrepreneur 
is that level of consistency. It's to me, that's one of the, the main things you have to do is, is like, when I say I, this has been my full-time job for 18 years, I'm glad that, you know, I didn't get too high and I didn't get too low because you could be in that position where all of a sudden four months are going by and you don't have income coming in. And what are you going to do? Like a good example of this, man, is a couple of days ago, uh, I'm going on this tour to Europe and this artist just asked me to come on board. And uh, he was like, I don't know if I can do it. You know, it's kind of last minute. The flights are expensive. And then he just texted me and he's like, you know what? Get it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it on the credit card. I'll figure it out later. <laughs> and I had to basically tell him, like, don't don't worry about this one, man. You know, we're all set because putting something on the credit card and trying to figure out how to pay it later to me is not a good strategy for long-term success. Um, you got to really plan these moves in advance. Even though my tour kind of came together at the last minute because of COVID restrictions, I was still planting these seeds months ago. So I knew how I was going to work it out, but I've seen too many artists, you know, this album is going to be incredible. Put it on the credit card. And then those interest rates go up. And then all of a sudden, not only are you going back to a job, but you're going back to a job in a, a poor financial situation. And I hate to see people have to struggle through that. Mm -hmm. It's as much as you want to rush into things, you also have to be smart so that you don't set yourself back because rushing into things can do exactly that. And it's, I commend you for uh, taking the time to let that artist know where it's like, it, it'll happen again. You have yeah. a year, build, build up some bank. We, we can make this happen in the future. <laughs> and, it, and it's an incredible artist too. And, and I think that's the thing too people realize, like it's not just that, that young up and coming artists, like, and I get these feelings now too. And I've been doing it for 20 years that when I hear an opportunity, sometimes I want to jump at it. Um, I think that's natural, but I've also learned to, to approach it as a business. And, um, and too many artists, they just approach it as an art, which is fine if you want it to be a hobby, but you have to learn the difference between the hobby and the business. You can't just go out and buy beats and buy collaborations and, and not know how you're going to release the project. But um, so many artists just go with their heart first. And um, as I said, again, it's completely fine if you want that to be your hobby. But I'm also represented for people that wanted to go with their heart and their head, because to me, there's nothing as great as um, as Jay-Z says, you know, to try and to fail. The two things I hate succeed in this rap game, the two things that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love the energy. And of course, we've been talking about mentorship for a few minutes here. And you also mentioned that a mentor of yours, Maestro Fresh Wes wrote the foreword to this book. And inside this foreword, he actually mentions you as a mentor. So uh, to be able to read that, to be able to publish those words after, to see exactly that in what you mentioned, the Canadian hip hop game from the man who is essentially the initial bar setter inside of this game. What is it like to see those words, to hear that over time, not only have you become a friend, but you've also become a mentor to someone like Maestro. That's pretty surreal, man. I mean, uh, 
I was in Mexico uh, on my first vacation since COVID uh, a month ago when I got the email from him with, with the text. And at the same time, I got the track sent over from Meyer Clarity, who produced Made It Moment. So I'm literally sitting there at the beach uh, with my laptop open, reading the forward from Maestro, listening to my new song, sitting back in the sun. And after all this hard work, it, it comes to fruition. But it's really cool um, that Maestro would say those nice things about me, but it also shows that level of self-awareness and humbleness that you could be recognized as the godfather of Canadian hip hop. But I think one of the reasons why he's had so, such longevity is that level of self-awareness to always pay attention to the artists that were on the come up and not look at th that young artist as competition, but how can I learn with how can I collaborate? And even on his new music, you'll, you'll see him working with a Dusty Wallace or a Tona or a Rich Kid. And he's always connecting. And um, I think that's something I've taken, too, is I'm going out to Europe right now and there's going to be five or six artists with me. But I would never look at them as my competition. I look at them as artists that I can help in a little bit, but they're also helping me navigate these waters because I think that. Um, it's the young artists that teach you the new things, the new techniques, like how to do a quick TikTok or, or just uh, social media things that um, you, you may not always recognize. So, um, you know, I learned from, from these guys coming up and I appreciate that Maestro says he learned something from me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For sure. You have to love it. It's art supporting art, as you mentioned, not just helping other artists get out to Europe and otherwise, but also where you mentioned with working with other younger artists inside of your area, inside of your bubble, like Amire Clarity, working on the production of this new album, which we haven't dive, dove into yet because you've also released a 20-track uh, brand new album the same day as this book. So it's uh, been a little bit of a work in progress because we talked about a couple of singles that you talked about too. So what is it like to uh, have this a new project out here along with the book? And then sort of like, once again, who are some of the other artists that helped you to bring this project to life? And this is the most music I've released in years. So it, it feels great because sometimes as a musician, you record, but you don't put it out there. And I've seen so many artists make that mistake of holding on to it for so long, or I just want to be selective at this and that. And I was like, you know what? I, I really like the music that I'm making because I'm doing so many different collaborations and working with, again, those new artists on the come up. And it's funny how those things work. So I'd go out to Nova Scotia a few years ago to Nova Scotia Music Week, and I'd connect with a young artist, Mitchell Bailey. And then he's featured on We Lit, a single that I dropped last year, but is on the album. And then from working with him, I connected with his producer, Nook Lewis, who ended up producing some of the songs on the album. And then I've always worked with Atwell and then Jenna Nation has come out to LA. So it made sense to put us together. And then I did the Black 365 campaign. So having a song with Rochester and Drew and Terrell Safety and Keisha Fresh um, featuring them on there and then working with Meyer Clarity on a few of the songs. So I really wanted to collaborate with, with artists. Um, that's one of my favorite things with it. Um, and then Last Name featuring Keontae Beals, again, from Nova Scotia. You just put on that great Nova Scotia vibe on there. 80 Empire artist that I've known for 20 years. 
came on there and, and did it up for powerful. And then the last song I did for the album is a, a song that I'm pushing as a single tomorrow, even though the album came out, the album is the song is called top five. <laughs> and that's one of the things I've had going on on social media, man. I don't know if you ever seen it, but um, last year I was hanging out with my friends and we were having a campfire. We played Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style from beginning to end. And just sitting there, just being like, man, like, this is a great album. Like, that, that's my teenage years coming up. And so I just went on Facebook and I put, if Snoop Dogg isn't in your top five, you don't know hip hop. I put my phone down, hanging out with my friends. I woke up the next morning and I saw like 50 comments and, like, and then it just exploded. I guess I don't know hip hop then. He's not even in my top 50. And um, the, the whole thing with a top five is, is arbitrary anyways, right? So, uh, but because I've, I've said this a few times and it always is a controversial thing, I said, let me make a song called Top Five. It don't quit and it don't stop. Um, if this ain't in your top five, then you don't know hip hop. And I got DJ IV to lay down some scratches on that from uh, Classified's crew. And to me, it was so important to have those cuts on a, a real hip hop record. So collaborated with DJ IV on it. So it's, it's been fun to collaborate with so many different artists from coast to coast um, and great producers and just really happy to get this project out there. Awesome. I love it. And of course, you probably see me laughing over here because I most definitely myself did see the uh, top see five. <laughs> yes, I did see the top five posts. <laughs> I've been watching them the whole time because I knew immediately it's like, oh, that's like that's a matter of opinion. And it's just like <laughs> so many people immediately like get heated and into the conversation. <laughs> and it's like, man, he's just and then you get to the point where it's like, okay, he's past five artists now. So like, <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't caught on yet. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's funny now. Yeah. Cause like when people said, yeah, you're past five, like, yeah, I know. But that's, but to me, that's the essence of a top five. It's, it's fluid. It's always changing. Like when I hear an artist and I'm like, yo, like they gotta be in my top five. Like I might have to reevaluate things or just different points of your life. Um, so of course I'm going to say Snoop Dogg was one of my top five because I, I remember being a teenager and I think a teenager, those moments are some of the times you love music the most, it, you know, like you're so intimate with it. So of course I'm going to talk about Biggie and, and Tupac and, and Nas because that's my generation. But at the same time, when I hear new MCs, like if somebody told me J Cole or Kendrick is in their top five or Drake, like, of course, you know, like you can't mess with that either. Uh, so it, it is difficult to, to ever come up with that top five. But yeah, mine's constantly changing and rearranging. But most of all, I just love <laughs> sparking the argument. So it's, it's cool having a song about it. <laughs> yeah, spark a conversation. And that's it is your your taste should constantly evolve and change. There should be new artists that come and take some of those spots because music is constantly growing and otherwise and so are we as human beings which is a beautiful thing yeah yeah thousand percent awesome awesome well dio i know that you are a, a busy man i know that you are off to europe later today of the recording of this interview when it releases you're probably already going to be in europe and otherwise so i got one last question here for you my friend yeah all right so one thing that i truly loved is there's an interlude on this album. You made the decision 
to add the voice of one Sonny Gibson. What was the decision to add that and to encapsulate that piece of you, your family, your history? What helped you get to this point inside of this album? Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Um, Sonny Gibson is my uncle, but he's almost like a, a second grandfather to me when I was growing up. And it was cool that I just came back from Nova Scotia a couple of weeks ago. And I was back in Sydney where I, I had so many great times with him as a kid going out there in the summertime or when I was a teenager, he would take me out, um, whether it's just for playing bowling or French fries. Um, but he always just had that connection with that young generation of, of people like myself and kind of took me under his wing. So the last time I saw him um, is that voice recording. And um, it's a video recording as well, but I just use the voice since it's an album because I remember that conversation with him, him having a picture of me above him with my kid, my son, and my daughter was on the way. And then him pointing up to my great grandfather <laughs> and giving a little lesson about him, about saving money and how you should put half the money away. And even though this is, a lesson that he would have learned like 80 years ago, how important that is today. And as I'm saying back to him is like, it's tough. It's tough, you know, having kids and having to pay mortgage and having to pay daycare. But what I also said to him is that I think my kids will be okay because of their last name. And Nova Scotia is really big on who your last name is that if you say, Oh, I'm a Gibson. Oh, I think I know your family. Yeah, I know them. And, and Names are really important there. And because I really value Black Canadian history, that as much as I'm talking about my last name, again, I really want people to reflect on their own last name. And it doesn't have to be from Nova Scotia, but just to be able to reflect on that. So it was cool to, to be able to still have that voice, have that recording. And the crazy thing is, you know, he was 98 when he passed away. We, we thought he was going to make it to 100. Sometimes you think people are going to live forever almost. But the day that he passed away is the day that my daughter was born. So there's something poetic to me in that. And, and you know, I, I go back to the Lion King and the circle of life. But um, I, I think there's something poetic and beautiful in that. And uh, I always believe, as I say, on Never Fades, Never Fades Away, another song on the album is that I like talking about people who have passed on and, and it's not to, to just reminisce or to think sadly of them, but to remember how great they are and the lessons that they've taught you and, and how they've inspired you and shaped it and molded your, your life. Fantastic. Well, my friend Dio, I feel like there's been some beauty, some poetry to <laughs> this conversation here. And I am so thankful that we could reconnect a once again before I let you go. Please let our audience know where they can get their hands on this new book, On This Grind. You can find everything about On This Grind and about Still Driven, the new album, at IMDO Gibson, or really, IMDOGibson.com. If you go to my website, you'll see the book, you'll see the album, you'll see it all. And as I said, you can search social media on Instagram at IMDO Gibson, TikTok at IMDO Gibson, Twitter at IMDO Gibson. Because one of the chapters in the book is branding 101. So if you're an artist, do not have 
five different ways to contact you. So I don't say my Twitter is at IMDO476 and my Twitter is the real DO. Try to keep it consistent. And um, that's, that's a key lesson I learned and something that artists, like I said, can take that and use it and it'll make a difference right away on their career. But hey, man, I love round three. Congratulations to the success of your podcast. I love tuning it in. I'm a fan. I love the Sean Jones one. That was one of the recent ones I was bumping. Um, but yeah, keep on doing what you're doing, man, because you're, you're a true testament to being on this line as well. Hey, well, I appreciate the kind words. I appreciate the support. And once again, I appreciate being able to call you a friend. Thank you for joining me here today, D.O. Gibson. Yeah, can't wait till I'm on the road again. We'll, we'll do it up. <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. I. Oh, Ambush, thank you for tuning on into this episode of the DTP. Here with me, your host, Colton G, as well as our guest, D.O. Gibson. And you can go ahead and find D.O.'s new book on this grind. You can go ahead and find D.O.'s new album, Still Driven. You can go ahead and follow D.O. over on social media as well. He told you the spot, I am D.O. Gibson on all of these platforms, including the website. And these links will also be inside the description to the show in case you want to do any of those things, which I know you do, obviously, right? You want to stay up to date. You want to stay up to date. And with that, it's time to give D.O. a final roaring DTP. Thank you for joining us here on today's episode of the podcast. I have to go ahead and thank Laura from Strut Entertainment for going ahead and setting this conversation up. I need to thank German from YPEditor.com for making everything sound so good. And I need to thank you, The Ambush, one last time for tuning on in to this episode. If you've yet to join up with The Am, what are you doing? It's as easy as hitting the subscribe button on the podcast listening app you're using right now. You can also share this episode, give us a five-star review, and head on over to DesertTigerMerch.com to copy yourself something to support and represent the show. The best part is, looking's free. It's DesertTigerMerch.com. And with that, it's about time we say our bye-byes, but not before I tell you to go out and find your roar and then let it out into the world. And until next time, ambush. Bye-bye. The Desert Tiger Podcast.